Hello, and welcome to French Tech News with Chris O'Brien and Ethan Pierce, a podcast and clubhouse series highlighting important stories in the world of France's startups, its entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem leaders. Please join us on Monday and Thursday evenings Paris time on Clubhouse and regularly during the week as we publish those events and other exclusive interviews to this podcast. Today, our guest is Cyril Sheesh, co-founder and CEO of Lydia, a financial services app offering digital payments, donations, loans, checking accounts, payment cards, and other services. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining this installment of the French Tech News Podcast with Chris O'Brien and Ethan Pierce. Uh, today, we are super excited to have Cyril Sheesh, who is the co-founder and CEO of Lydia, as our guest to talk about all kinds of wonderful things going on with Lydia and, and probably some the related trends around the market and different things like that of what they work in. Uh, Chris, who is uh, the founder of the French Tech Journal, an English language focus on everything French tech, startups, innovation, all that cool stuff as well as a fairly uh, renowned um, journalist uh, at VentureBeat. Uh, everybody knows and loves Chris. Uh, we'll, we'll conduct the interview. Uh, my name is Ethan Pierce, uh, Borderless Ventures, working with startups, helping them scale up regionally and, and globally from France uh, across Europe and into Southeast Asia. Uh, partnered with Chris on this lovely French tech news in English journey. Uh, and to that point, so excited to welcome both of you here, Chris and Cyril. It's up to you. Let's take it away. Great. Well, Cyril, thank you for spending some time with us this afternoon. I really want to just kind of start uh, really at the beginning. I think a lot of people out there are probably familiar with uh, the app and a little bit about the company. But I think just to kind of get us started, you know, you had such a big year last year. Uh, I'm wondering if you can kind of walk us back to the beginning and, and first off, kind of introduce the app for people who may not know it. You know, what is Lydia? And then who are you? How, how did you sort of get started on this journey? Hi, Chris. Hi, Ethan. Uh, and thanks uh, for having me on this podcast. Um, well, sure, absolutely. Uh, Lydia is um, on the process of becoming uh, a European super app for financial services. And I'm saying on the process because this is exactly where we're heading towards. But it's not, we're not there yet. We're just building this building block by building block. And where we started in July 2013 was really a mobile payment app. Um, we started uh, with the idea that uh, what was happening at the time in Kenya and in Japan and in Korea, which is very different uh, banking and uh, smartphone situations, but a lot of people paying with their phone for pretty much everything, uh, sure, it, it was about to come to France and to Europe. And we had a strong belief that it will be an integrated app. So one app to do all your payment that will kind of uh, get it right rather than a vertically segmented uh, payment app. One to pay your friends, one to pay online, one to pay this, one to pay that. And that's why we wanted to build um, an app for all your payments. And of course, it was extremely uh, ambitious, or maybe I should say arrogant, because it was just Antoine and myself. He didn't know anything about payment and was very young. And I was not even young, and I didn't know much more. So it was two guys that didn't know it was impossible. So eventually, they started it. I'm not saying they made it, but they're starting it. They started it. 
and and that's that's really how it started. You know, in the U.S., people um, usually said they started out of a garage. Uh, we actually started out of a basement, uh, actually second second floor in the basement, and then we took some strengths and moved to the first basement floor and then to the ground floor and eventually we uh, know uh, above ground uh, but it took us a lot of time a lot of effort a lot of iterations and after uh, a lot of initial failure in terms of adoption um, we bumped into a, yeah people who were interested in what we were doing and we wanted to try it and we're talking about um, a group of students on campuses, university campuses, and they adopted it immediately. Three, three weeks later, the entire campus adopted it. One month more, uh, and they had the, uh, the food court uh, adopting it. And then we moved on from campus to campus for a while. And a year and a half later, uh, people were say, me, would say, Lydia me money on this campus. Like they would say, I Venmo you in the US or uh, something similar uh, in other geography. And although we did have a very limited number of customers at the time, like 60,000 or 50,000 or so, uh, we knew we had something that was uh, accepted, uh, integrated in people's daily life and highly viral. And uh, that's really when we knew we, we it would go big, and today we yeah we have like four point five million users, so uh, a lot more than this fifty thousand. Actually, one of my earliest memories in the ecosystem when I moved to Paris, we lived in the south for for most of the uh, the first part of being in France, and and in two thousand thirteen or fourteen, I'm guessing probably maybe thirteen, we went to Numa a bunch for a couple of different things, mm -hmm. and the Numa Cafe accepted Lydia. And it was the, you know, way before we, you know, I, I, you started to get this adoption in a big way and, and kind of seen everywhere in, in the French ecosystem. It, everybody, you know, it was like, oh, you paid with Lydia, right? Like it was a thing at, at Numa, which was pretty cool. So uh, you're one of the first experiences I had with French startups, you know, in, in the ecosystem when we first came to Paris uh, uh, through Numa. I thought it was pretty cool. You're totally right, Ethan. Uh, Numa actually, and I should thank them because they did bring a lot to us. I want that place where a lot of uh, digital tech was happening in, in Paris and everybody gathered there for meeting events, uh, spend the day, whatever, uh, people working on project, people, you know, attending some conference. And, and it was really a big thing. And uh, we had convinced the little cafe there uh, to accept Lydia on top of cash. And of course, in that kind of ecosystem, it would almost seemed odd to pay in cash when you had a mobile payment option. And honestly, that probably got us a few thousand um, hardcore users uh, very early on. Were you part of an, the officially part of the NUMA Accelerator? Or did you just happen to know the guys and, and got a partnership with the cafe that kind of helped get you some traction? Yeah. Yeah, actually, we were just uh, we just moved into an office close by, and like everyone else, we would go there to drink coffee and and meet people, and because it was so much it was so much cooler than our office space anyway, 
and uh, <laughs> and a lot was happening there as well. And therefore, uh, well, at some point we said, well, it's it's certainly a place where people should pay with the uh, and so we started to talk with the Numa people and the Numa Cafe people, and they were both uh, very um, nice and, and willing to to try it. I guess at some point we were doing like seventy percent of all their payments. And and so you reach that point where you have uh, a product that you think is really connecting with people. Is it just the two of you at that point still evolving the product, or did you have a team at that point, or or where were you on your yeah. evolution? Well, actually, we were crazy enough to have a bit of a team uh, before we actually launched because, you know, it's, I mean, two, it's certainly not enough to launch something like that, especially back in 2013. So we had a couple of developers uh, and one sales guy. And then um, by the time that we heard the first person say, uh, I lead you, uh, we were probably a team of 15. So it was not that big a team and we're still a very, very lean company. So uh, today Lydia is like 130 people. It's really not a lot uh, compared to the user base. Uh, yet uh, the two of us, I guess, only last for three months after we incorporated the company. Mm -hmm. It was funny because, of course, the, the amount of time when we didn't pay ourselves, we couldn't get a salary out of Lydia uh, lasted a lot longer than that. And so when did Lydia raise its first round of venture capital? Um, well, we had um, the chance to have around us people uh, willing to um, be angels and invest in the company even before we launched. So we raised like 600,000 euro um, in June 2013, so right before launching, but once everything was ready. And then we had the first round of, um, I would say, more institutional money coming in in July 14. And that was an additional 3 million led by a French VC firm, Exange. And okay. I have to yep. say they've been uh, a great partner all along. I uh, appreciate them and recommended them over and over again. They're an extremely good uh, conviction investor. And, and, um, and yeah, I mean, probably they were a bit crazy as well. And, and it sounds like the point where they invested, you didn't have that product yet. You didn't have, uh, the one that really would catch on. Is that correct? Or were you still trying to find no, we, the target? No, we did have the product. Uh, and we started to get the target right because um, they invested in July 14, and the initial uh, uh, adoption by campus was really end of 2013. So we, we already had that traction and the product was there. But if you look at the number there, it was like ridiculous. We were celebrating when we would have 1,000 more users, new users in a month. And now we have like 5,000 a day. And at the time, 1,000 seems like, wow, what a month. <laughs> <laughs> and now how many is it per day? Uh, 5,000. 5,000, okay. So um, w from that moment where you raised that money, what was the challenge then? You, you had some traction. 
was the focus then really marketing it, getting word out about it? Uh, was it still developing the base product as well? Yeah, uh, it's difficult to say because, you know, there were so many challenges. I mean, everything was a challenge. Uh, getting a new chair was a challenge, actually, because we were doing so much with so little people. Uh, and, and, and again, we were learning as we built the system. So we, none of us came from a banking background, even the people we hired there. So it was like a lot and a lot of challenges. Um, I have to say we, we, we did work a lot and we uh, did do a lot of great choices, and, but we also made a lot of mistakes in the process. Uh, hopefully we, we found out and, and understood our mistakes fast enough to not let them turn into disasters, but we did, I mean, hundreds of mistakes and, and, and even more iterations. Um, and I would say that um, the biggest challenge, of course, was to get from a few um, users on a few campuses liking it and using it to something that would be more massive and that works from an IT infrastructure to um, the, your um, product uh, coding to the um, um, user experience and the more you complexify your product, the more you add feature, uh, the more it becomes difficult to make sure that you got this very, very slick experience. And in the meantime, we also had to uh, find people that were crazy enough to say, yeah, I will give you a part of my money and or the money that I'm managing for other people with you having a product that is used by a very limited number of people and that uh, with no business plan, because that's exactly what we had at the time, no business plan. It, we, we weren't even faking it. We did, just didn't have one uh, because we, it was just about building a, a community, a massive community of users with a lot of engagement and retention and monetization was a second step. Uh, and, and it was not that easy in France at the time to get into a VC uh, meeting and tell them, uh, don't worry, we have no plan for monetization. So you don't have to worry about all your classic ratio, but you know, uh, CAC on the LTV because there's no LTV. Well, good news, there's no CAC either because we don't do no paid acquisition. It's all word of mouth. So that, that division doesn't even exist. There's zero above and under the line. It, it, and you know, so you're so far out in French VC mentality at that time, but still we found Exange uh, and then we found New Alpha, but we also found entrepreneurs that were willing to invest their own money into this because they believed in the vision and they believed in the team. And we have to thank them because that was incredible. So I'm thinking here about Pauline Duval uh, from the uh, group Duval, who actually discovered Lydia at Numa. It, it's funny you mentioned it. I, Ethan, a friend of her actually saw it at Numa and she uh, took her there and, and she brought an email saying, hey, would you be interested in me investing in, in the company? And she was like 24, same at the time, coming back from New York, starting to work in the family group. Amazing. First investment. Now she's a big um, investing um, activity. And, and she invested in dozens of companies. And also um, the Odo um, BHF bank uh, 
run by Filippo himself and and, and Grégoire is is um, um, right hand that also believed in us, but honestly, they believed in the vision and the people more than anything else because uh, it was not much more. And so jump ahead a little bit when you eventually came to this question of the business model, how did you go about thinking about what revenues could look like, how that would make sense in terms of the vision and then actually implementing that? It's a good question because it's actually a pretty uh, recent question. Um, it's hard to believe, but we didn't talk about the kind of things at Lydia until 2019. So, uh, it, although it's a, it, it's good to have that kind of serenity when you build something from the long run that you don't have the pressure uh, on that end, and uh, indeed it, it gave us a lot of strength uh, when building this because. We knew we were building something big, something that would last for dozens of years eventually. And because we believed this was not a, a, you know, just a quick thing. You, you do three years, you put a lot of glitter on it and you sell it. We want to build something for, you know, that changes the banking uh, landscape for real and, and for the long run. So it, it's okay that it takes time to build. And it's very important that you have investors that believe in that um, time scale as well, uh, and and we had the the chance to have that a lot. They were, were very lucky in finding the right investors uh, that 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 believed in that long term strategy. Uh, so when we started to think about it, uh, we already had a lot of users and a lot of engagement and a lot of um, brand recognition, uh, which certainly helped. Also, what happened is that. Um, a regulation, a European regulation came in and changed the market forever, which is a DSP2, a, a regulation on payment services, PSD2, sorry, DSP2 is in French, PSD2, and it's about open banking. So basically allowing companies like Lydia to have access and even to have action on people's banks' accounts if they're, of course, give it to us, grant it to us. And, and that changes the, the landscape dramatically because all of a sudden you're not one option uh, on the side, you can become a central hub where one can connect all their uh, bank account and, and, and money places and financial life and and they can run it through an extraordinary, uh, powerful and, and simple and frictionless interface. And, and that's exactly where we decided to move our positioning from mobile payment to financial app, which we call super app. Uh, and yes, it took us a lot of um, efforts and I would say uh, shrink time uh, to get rid of what worked so well uh, for so many years, and which is this homepage of the app, but we finally uh, killed it in December 2020 uh, with the new V10. And I just posted on LinkedIn uh, a post uh, written by our head of product design, who, who explained that very clearly and very nicely. And yeah, it, honestly, it was uh, yeah, it was very difficult, and 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 we were anxious about. Um, creating a disaster, 
but it got um, very well adopted and people loved it. And, and now if you look at the product, none of the main pages of the app were there a year ago. We changed the entire app, we changed the positioning, we changed the actions, we changed the color, we changed everything uh, while we were still growing the company by 150,000 new users every month. So it was quite a, an incredible year 2020. And now we have three sources of revenues uh, to get back to your question. The first one is transactions. So more and more transactions do generate revenue for us. For example, when you're using your Lydia card, whether online or in, in store or through um, Google Pay or Apple Pay, uh, we will get a cut of this uh, as any issuing bank. Um, we got revenue from uh, monthly plans, the Lydia Blue and Lydia Black, which are taking off very nicely. And uh, we also have from this ecosystem um, of services that we added to our core product of current account, which is called the Marketplace. Uh, and which is the, the last, the, the fifth tab of the app, uh, we had got distribution revenue. So we got a fees when people sign up for these services uh, brought by partners. And so it's very uh, diversified and, and, and multiple sources of revenue that we're building. And we expect uh, that to put us in a trajectory where uh, sometime uh, in the first semester of 2022, uh, will make Lydia a profitable business in France. And so the the universe of features now that you're describing, does that get to you get you to the point where you are that super app that you envisioned, or is that now just a beginning of realizing that larger vision? Well, we I wouldn't say it's the beginning but it's the beginning because it's very recent. In terms of product, uh, it's already advanced. It, we're not there yet for sure. There are still a few universes that we need to cover and that are not here yet. And we'll, of course, be adding uh, these um, topics in the app uh, in the coming months, like savings and investment and um, others. But we've done um, a significant um, part of the job already by architecturing it and also by um, getting a process of bringing in new partners, working on the user experience and journey and making sure that we leverage what we already know of the customer so they don't have to go through all the pain of subscribing to a financial service over and over and over again every time they, they want to um, access to a service. And that's the beauty of super apps indeed. And so today we have like 15 services in the marketplace. So it's not that little. We're not there yet for sure, but things that we can say it's very recent. So there will be a lot of evolution and iteration as we always do before we get there and make it. The other thing is as we expand into other countries, uh, making sure we have a solid and consistent marketplace that is both meaningful and local uh, is very important too. So that will be another big chunk of the work to be done. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about that geographic expansion. 
I know at some point uh, Lydia had moved into the UK and then you guys, I think, uh, came back out of that market. Uh, you had some challenges there. Can you talk about what happened there, what you learned sure. from it, and why you think this will be different now as you go forward with this, this next version of Lydia? Well, I have to tell you that um, it, it, what happened in the UK is very unfortunate. Uh, and it, we, we did a lot of soft testing over the last two to three years um, outside of France with a very limited version of the app. And, you know, we were just basically testing what worked in France at the beginning, which is adoption by um, students on university campuses. And out of the five countries we tested, UK came second. So we had very good results. And we started with the Cambridge and Oxford campuses. And out of the 40-something thousand students that they have combined, in one year, we were able to convince more than 10,000 students to adopt Lydia, which is amazing results, honestly. It's, I mean, we were super excited. Uh, what happened in the meantime, though, is Brexit and a combination of Brexit and our trajectory. Um, you know, it's a very regulated uh, environment. And Lydia operates under a very um, unusual regulatory setup. Uh, that dates back to the first days of Lydia. Uh, in the first days of Lydia, since we didn't know anything about it, uh, regulatory and all that stuff, we didn't want to make mistakes that could cost us the company. And so we decided that instead of trying to get our own license and learn by doing, we will become an agent of, of someone whose main asset was uh, that license. And so that would force down to us all the rigor and sometimes rigidity uh, about making this very um, right and not playing with compliance. And that's the way we've decided to follow and it worked well. So we did that over and over and over again and now we are an agent of five companies. So, and that's very unusual. Usually when you grow, uh, you would get your own license. Uh, we not only did we get our own license, but we multiplied this uh, situation with many companies. Um, depending on the different product we were uh, working on. And to, at some point, uh, and also in accordance with the French regulators, we decided to have um, that process of getting our own license. And that's exactly when the Brexit get into action. And since that equivalence of getting your own license was not available anymore, and we couldn't file for two different licenses in two countries at the same time. It was too much of a distraction. And on top of that, we couldn't have a um, different setup from a regulatory perspective in France and in UK. We decided that although it's unfortunate, we will just get out of UK and focus on Eurozone, which is what we did. But it was not because we couldn't find any traction. Honestly, it was the second best country. Yeah, so that must have been a pretty tough call then to sort of let that go. Oh, we're still talking about it on board meetings sometimes. <laughs> um, Eventually, one day we'll get back when we're more stable in our regulatory environment here and we got more yeah. uh, experience with it, then we'll, we'll get some, some thought 
again about going back to UK, of course. Well, then speaking of last year, I want to I want to hit uh, a couple more topics here. Uh, you know, the other thing that's of course notable about last year was uh, the tremendous round of funding you raised. You raised it in two parts in January, and then I believe the second part in December. Uh, that was Indeed. pretty remarkable timing, especially to get some money in January when you know the the pandemic was still uh, just a twinkle in our eye, so to speak. Um, and uh, so, did that help you sort of get through those months? And then, what what in general did you need this money for? What do you hope that it's going to help you do uh, in the coming years? Well, indeed, the timing was ideal, and it was uh, amazing if you take um, the pandemic into consideration uh, and the fact that a few months later we were in complete lockdown and there was no way you could raise money in that situation or it was so much harder. It was even more lucky if you think that we raised that money out of a round led by Tencent. And they were into lockdown in January 21st. So it was not by a few weeks, it was by a few days that we were lucky, uh, extremely lucky in, in terms of timing. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I believe, um, you know, this was just the end of a process that, that started months ago uh, before January. And January was just when we got the money at the bank. So, um, it's it really um, we were lucky in in the round of financing to uh, be able to choose who would invest in Lydia. Uh, it's not that we always always had twelve choices, but we've always had choices, uh, which is a luxury, honestly. Um, and and so when you're lucky enough to have choices, you eventually uh, start to look for smart money, which is more than money. And, and what people can bring to you in terms of um, additional value or unfair advantages. And, and for sure, if you want to build a financial super app, there's one place in the world where would, you would look toward immediately, and that is China. Because that's where the uh, most massive super app exists, and that's where they're really being invented. And, and and Tencent owning uh, WeChat and WeChat Pay uh, with a billion customers on their super financial super app was suddenly one of the places in the world where we could learn the most. And, and that's why we, we were super happy and also honored that people um, knowing so much about that business would be interested in investing media and also shared with us what they've learned uh, in the process of building that monster super app uh and and that was really incredible uh when we got that closed in the end of um of uh, 2020 uh, of, 20, of 2019 because i mean Tencent, it, it's it's so big <laughs> and it's it's so far beyond what we would have expected two years ago or or even maybe a year before that uh, but it was happening, and and we could we would be in a position to learn from them, and that is certainly something really um, incredible. If you're an entrepreneur, to learn from the best and the most uh, successful in the world, and so that gave us a lot of confidence. It also uh, brought us something, you know, 
people ask me a lot, uh, do you get what you expected from Tencent? Do they actually bring value to you? And do, are they trying to buy the company out? Uh, you know, it's stuff that a lot of people ask me <laughs> and, and it's a good time to answer that. Honestly, uh, they're a very uh, nice, polite, um, and an efficient investor. They're very professional. They they don't they have no I mean they they a minority investor. They have no intention to buy the company. Uh, and uh, and they they when we ask for something, they make this happen uh, very diligently. I have to say, and that's really super cool because yes, we we're getting a lot of value added out of that relationship. But they brought to us something that was unexpected. Um, when we were in the midst of the complete crisis uh, in our head in April uh, 2020, um, because of lockdown, our transaction business had fallen like 70%. And of course, that was unexpected and it never happened in the history of Lydia. In the history of Lydia, every month was better than the previous months because it's you know, network effect. And losing 75, 70% or 75% of the business is something that really uh, takes a toll on you. And we had that board meeting in April 30, where the person representing Tencent, and everybody was really uh, rightfully uh, into stress, I have to say. And we were saying, we were just, we, we were just presenting a reforecasting of the budget for the year with honestly no solid basis to defend whatever budget. Mm. And, and, and the, the person from Tencent said, you know, uh, I understand this is difficult, but I can tell you we're now out of London for three weeks and the business has recovered even stronger than before for WeChat Pay. So you should calm down and focus on what's important. Build the new product for the super app. Be careful with the cash. And if and keep your head um, cold, and if you do that, you're going to be doing okay. And everyone in the board all of a sudden was relieved, and and because someone with experience can talk about this incredible thing with nobody ever experienced before. And what happened is that in, indeed in June we did the best months ever for Lydia by a margin of thirty percent. So it, it was indeed incredible. Uh, and 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 that's uh, was an unexpected value added. It's interesting with, with these fintech solutions that are that suffered so much uh, during the first months of the pandemic with lockdown and things like that in the spring. Are some of the businesses that benefit is maybe not the right word to say, but in the sense of that scaled significantly post um, confinement because everybody transitioned to contactless payments to digital payments and instantly. You know, WeChat is one thing they, they uh, you know, people were already, you know, the market penetration is, is, is absolute practically. So where do they go from there in a lot of ways? Uh, but with you, um, this was a chance for people to become contactless or digital payment minded where they hadn't been before. So apart from those bumpy months, the rest of 2020 probably was very interesting and, and maybe even a little bit um, frightening from an, a scale uh, perspective of so fast. You're right. Absolutely. And um, it, it's funny because um, a year ago, um, you would see um, the person at the bakery ask an 85 years old lady if she can tap a card. 
and the lady would go furious. No, never. And now it's the other way around. If the, the old lady would ask for contactless, and if the mer if, if the merchant doesn't have it or it doesn't work or whatever, she would be furious. So it says a lot about how the mentality has changed and, and what happened over the last year um, from a digital payment perspective is something that wouldn't have happened in five years without that pandemic. So it, it, it actually changed the dynamic forever. It, it's massive uh, transformation that happened even into people that maybe wouldn't have never adopted it. Uh, I'm talking about that 85 years old lady, but that, that's serious. That, that's really what I'm saying when I go by um, bread. So that is, you know, when I'm being asked, who is your main competitor? I, I, I like to say that our main competitors is really the habit people have. Because if I'm thinking about what people do where they don't lead their friends to reimburse them, well, they do cash or they do bank wire. They don't do an alternative solution. And, and that means that habits are definitely our main competitors, although there are other solutions to do P2P. But we're just building the, the transformation together. We're not, we're not really competing with each other. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, these habits have changed forever in a few months. And that's certainly some very strong power for the future for a company like Lydia, sure. I was curious about some trend stuff. Um, since we were on the trend idea, I don't want to take away from where, where Chris is going with the next question, but I, I would love either now or, or after to circle back maybe to the idea of one of the other big trends of 2020 is is uh, cryptocurrency payments, and and so you know with PayPal, Venmo, with Revolut, and others really getting into the space of digital currency uh, um, as a payment, but also potentially as a buying or trading platform. Um, is that something that is on the roadmap for Lydia to look at digital payments on the crypto side? Uh, is that something that is interesting, or, or are we really just about you know this adoption of the 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 suite of financial services between friends and 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 other things that you've developed now. Well, at this point, um, as I said, uh, we well, some of the topics we're going to develop in 2020. But sorry, what we're going to develop in 2021 is is um, investment and certainly trading uh, will be part of this. And crypto, but also other assets will be available. Um, as for payment, uh, today we didn't have a lot of uh, requests for from users uh, to do peer-to-peer -peer in crypto mm. uh, because, well, end of the day, you got to use it somewhere and uh, volatility is, is, I mean, if you, you know, paying back friend for half a cab ride uh, <laughs> and the cost yeah. actually to, to, to <laughs> buy crypto today. Uh, it's the twenty million dollar pizza question. <clears throat> exactly, exactly. So it, it's not really um, the talk of the game at the moment, but that may change in the future. Uh, but since we're not building, um, and, and that's very different from the guys at PayPal, they're building an acceptance network for years and years and years. We're not. Right. Uh, we're working on the B two C side. So uh, whatever merchants want to accept. At some point, we're willing to provide. Yeah, let me just jump back to the kind of the, now bring us up to date because, you know, we talked about the 10 cent round. You kind of ended the year in a bang as well. You, you came out that tunnel uh, that we talked about with the, with the pandemic in the spring. You got through the summer. And then, of course, in December, you raised kind of the second 
part of this big round with uh, Excel, I think, either putting in most or all of that money uh, in December. So uh, what you must have been in a much stronger position then to go ask to raise a bigger round. And it was a pretty sizable round uh, that I would say really elevated the the notoriety of the company even more so. So what was the thinking in, in taking that extra money and, and how big of a step now is it to really deliver on, on, on that promise? Um, I don't know if I can be fully honest on that one because uh, it's almost <laughs> insane. Um, you know, um, for years, uh, Antoine and myself would read stories about founders saying that they were doing their work and, and whatever they were doing. And someone knock at the door offering them tons of money and they didn't work for it. Like they, they were not raising, but you know, VC came to them and, and offered them lots of money. And they said, yes, and it happened so fast and everything. And we were really angry with that because we would like, I know we're suffering so much every time we do a round of financing. Why do they say it's easy? It's not easy. You know, it's, it's, it, you, you shouldn't do that. It's not, it's not well to do it. Well, every, every day I wait for that is, knock. It does exist. Uh, people mm-hmm. do knock on doors. Uh, it happened that it was not our doors until uh, July, but in July it was our door. Uh, and suddenly the momentum plus the, 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 the visibility raised by the investment by Tencent helped. But what really happened is that um, we've been, you know, talking with a lot of great VC uh, over the years and then not necessarily always wanting to invest in Lydia. And, and for many of them, we certainly understand why. I mean, we understood why because we're very early on in terms of many things. Um, yet what happened is that Axel, which is one of the most um, famous uh, Silicon Valley fund, um, was looking at Lydia and interested in Lydia, but they never made the investment, although they were you know, trying to get more and more interest in the company. And um, some incredible thing happened. The general manager of Venmo joined them as a partner. And what he said is, I, I, one of the first company I would love to invest in is Lydia. And so what they did, they called us and say, we would like to invest in your company. And we would like, yeah, you know, we're not raising. We just raised, we actually raised more than we expected. We were, we wanted to raise 30 million euro. We raised 40, so we're good. Uh, and they're like, no, no, but really there's something you should listen to. And, and I'm like, yeah, you know, um, we have solid investors. They have preemptive rights on the new rounds. So they're not going to open the door, even if there's actual return on your business card, because, well, they want to, they, they believe in the story probably as much as you do or even more. And uh, since they invested earlier and, and they got the, the pocket to do it. So probably his door is not open. And unless you have some incredible value added to, to bring on top of being Axel, which is already amazing. Honestly, uh, I never thought I would say these words one day. I mean, it, it was, and, and they did come back and say, well, you know, Amit Jawar, the general manager at Venmo, is just joining us as partner, and he would love to invest and be board member. And I mean, it was <laughs> so insane to get Venmo GM and Tencent in the same year around the table of Lydia building a super app financial services. It, it, I mean, 
Tencent alone was already beyond expectations, but then it was becoming like fairy tale. And I hate to say that, but because you know I'm not a big believer in unicorns, you know, uh, walking on rainbows. I, I don't believe in unicorns. I've never seen one, uh, except for the balloon ones and the one on LinkedIn. But honestly, this was like a fairy tale, and and it was. It, sometimes you just can't say no. They really wanted to do it, and 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 they proved us that they could bring a lot of value, and and we did a lot of actually meeting like in a few weeks to make sure that we could talk to people that know that business inside and out, not investors, but operative people, people that have um, knowledge of how such an operation works. And I mean, what definitely that guy is humble, is smart, has been hands-on for years. Uh, before that, he was CEO at Braintree. So it, it's really like, it's a startup guy. And I mean, and that's a lot of benefit for a company like us. And putting all that brain power around the table of a small French company, I mean, it was, you, you can't say no to that. It would be ridiculous. It would be insulting your luck. Yeah. And you don't want to do that. So um, we had the conversation with our existing investor. They accepted because they also see the value of it uh, to have such knowledge around the table, plus the network of Axel and the experience of Axel. They accepted to open the doors. Uh, the financial terms were amazing. Uh, everybody was happy. And you know what took us the longest in this? Lawyers discussion. It took more time than from first meeting to term sheet. But, you know, it's part of the game. We know that we, we expect that. And, it, you know, at the end, it's all for the better. And we end the year of 2020 in this configuration that is incredible. And moving into this new positioning of the financial super app with so much resources and so much um, brain power around the table. I can't say um, I can't say enough how excited and intellectually excited uh, by what's ahead of us uh, because it, it's it's surreal, honestly. Great, well, Cyril, this uh, it's an amazing tale uh, to hear how far you guys have come. So, congratulations! Um, you know, I want to thank you again thank you. for taking some time and sharing the story because I think it's. Uh, Interesting and timely on a number of levels uh, to hear what you guys have gone through and, and where you've been and where you're going. So so thank you for the candor. That's always appreciated. Uh, Ethan, anything else to add before we uh, we wrap up this conversation? I just yeah, I would I would want to thank you as well, uh, Cyril, but also Bravo for for creating such a uh, an thank amazing uh, service. But but but. Just I, the story here that I think is really great is um, I'm I'm not a big fan of the unicorn conversation in startups because I think it I think the the economy needs a lot more hundred million dollar startups than it needs um, billion dollar startups in the sense of I think we kill a lot of companies on the way up that could have stayed at an amazing level but we push them to take on more capital than they need and they end up having to do things that 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 potentially drive them into the ground um, or or burn that out in some way and so what I love with this story is is where I think it's perfect. And that is let's create a, 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 a great solution to a problem. Let's scale it up and let's keep doing things right. And, oh, wait, it, it, because of the right timing and the right circumstances and different things, um, it actually does 
you know, head its way towards what a unicorn could be. But that wasn't the goal, nor is it necessarily the biggest effect because you've been having the effect on the way. That I think economically is really important for ecosystems. We wait for the effect. I agree with you very much. Yeah. We wait for that effect of, of unicorns on the economy when in reality we could have a whole lot more hundred to two hundred million dollar companies affecting the economy through employment and scaling up amazing business models that for some reason plateau and can't actually go further, but we don't put them into an environment where they overcapitalize or 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 make development decisions that cause them to potentially um uh, then hit a brick wall and maybe fail or, or or pull back in some way. And so I love the story here, which is um, the unicorn journey is is secondary to the fact that you built an amazing product uh, that responded at the right time to the right needs. And then because of all of that, it turns out it will go on to be one of France's maybe biggest fintechs. And I think that's awesome. And bravo. Thank you so much, Ethan. Thank you, Chris. Uh, it's indeed a very interesting and and. Uh, challenging and and yeah incredible journey uh for all the people here and especially of course for antoine and myself who've been uh, working through that um adventure for almost 10 years now uh because we we actually uh, created the company in september 2011 so uh and and yeah we're super excited for at least the next 10 or 20 years to come well, it's uh, it's been a pleasure, uh, Cyril. Thank you for for t taking some of your time and sharing um, this journey uh, the, of Lydia with us in so much good detail. Hope that that will be an inspiration also to other entrepreneurs who are looking to build something and 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 to see that things can start with a, a humble approach to solving a problem and put and can eventually be sitting at the table with the most important people in in um, in the subject. You you brought Tencent and and Venmo to the table. And I think that's just amazing. So that's a great lesson. It's a great inspiration. And uh, I appreciate your time. Chris, thank you as well for the great questions and, 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 and this wonderful discussion we've had. And look forward to uh, the next news and great stories of Lydia. We will see you soon. Want more news and stories from France's incredible innovation ecosystem and its entrepreneurs? Subscribe to the French Tech News with Chris and Ethan on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and switch on notifications to be informed of new episodes as soon as they are released. You can connect with Chris and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. I am at Ethan Pierce, that's E-T-H-A-N-P-I-E-R-S-E, and Chris O'Brien is at O'Brien, O-B-R-I-E-N. Let us know if there are guests that you would like to see on the interview podcast or Clubhouse, as well as any stories that we should take a look at. As always, thank you for listening, and see you next time.